you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't you know, true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who's having a good old day. What are you up to, <laughs> you big Tennessee homer? Another one bites dust. Mm. 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 I'm to tell you, man, it is a good day. I, I mean, I, I hate it. There's, there's some teams that lost today, and there are some teams that won today, and it just so happens uh, I'm a fan of one of the winners. Well, let's start right there, Shane, because the big announcement we didn't have, you know, a definitive date for when this was going on, so. You know, Georgia fans just kind of on pins and needles the last couple of days. But the big news here in the SEC on Wednesday, Jake Fromm has made his decision. He's going to the NFL. Thoughts on that, Shane, first of all? I mean, it kind of opens up the SEC East a little bit. You know, I certainly think I've seen a lot of people say, well, now Florida's going to win the East. They're going to be picked to win the East. We still got some other bulldog news here to get to, but I'm not really buying that immediately. I understand why that's everyone's first conclusion. I still think Georgia is gonna have, you know, if not the best defense in the SEC, maybe the best defense in the nation. We've kind of hit on that. You can't overlook uh-huh. that. And I really think that whoever is gonna be the starting quarterback for Georgia next season, I'll make a I don't even know if this is the bold at this point, but I don't think that guy's on the roster right now. I think they're going to land them a elite graduate transfer, whoever that may be. But, you know, thoughts on all that, Shane, and thoughts primarily there with Jake Fromm and his decision to leave Georgia after three seasons of their starting quarterback. I think it's a good move. I think it's a fresh start kind of time for Georgia. You know, the from Arizona, that's just that whole quarterback thing. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, it goes all the way back to uh, Eason and then the from situation. And then now you're watching Fields up there. You know, it's just you're, you're done with that. It's time for the next chapter here in Georgia. And, you know, just to think that Georgia's going to fall off the deep end because of a quarterback. Is, I, I know it sounds crazy, but it is. I, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off because it's not like Fromm won them a lot of games last year. You know, there's little things that he was really good at, and game managing is one of them, putting the guys in the right position. But, mm-hmm. you know, I never I never walked away from a game this season and said, you know what, 
freaking Jake Fromm was on, man. You know what I'm saying? Maybe this next guy that comes up, a transfer or somebody from within, can be that X factor that Georgia's missing. But I honestly think what needs to change is the play calling. And and I just hope whoever is the quarterback next year gets more opportunities than Jake had this season. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of ways you can look at this, Shane, but for me, I just continue to go back to, you know, who is Jake from as a player? I know he got really hot there at the end of his sophomore season, looked unstoppable until, you know, the SEC championship game that second half. But aside from that, you know, what was it, like a four-game stretch there, uh-huh. he just kind of is who he is. And, I mean, he's progressed a little bit with, uh, obviously, his knowledge and everything, but I don't really think – you know, his arm was going to get massively different. And it sounds like, you know, we don't know what the Georgia offense is going to look like next season at this point, but they're not bringing in, to my knowledge, any kind of Joe Brady type guy that's going to revolutionize it and it's going to be something different. So it kind of made sense to, I think, who Jake Fromm is now in in the eyes of NFL talent evaluators. He was going to be that same guy next season. I know fans like to look at it like, well – if he's getting a second-round grade, if he throws 30 touchdowns, he could be a first-rounder. Like, it just doesn't really work that way. In my mind, you have to go from, you know, Joe Burrow completely off the radar to throwing 50 touchdowns. You know, that, you're not gonna, you're just not going to see that jump, I don't think, with a guy like Jake Fromm because we've seen three years of him. It's not like, it's not like the fourth year. It was all just going to materialize. So makes sense on Jake Fromm's part. And I think even with the Georgia fans – you know, they, they have some of the best fans in the SEC. I'm not trying to trash them. When Georgia was struggling there towards the tail end, it seemed like some people were getting frustrated with them and, mm-hmm. you know, not calling for him to be benched because they don't really have anyone that was going to unseat him this year. But it just seemed like he had, I don't want to say worn out his welcome, but it was almost time that they needed to see something new. You know what I right. mean? So I think it'll work out in the end. They've got so much talent there that I think they're going to be really attractive to, a, like I said, a transfer quarterback. And, hell, maybe this uh, freshman, Carson Beck, maybe he's the next Jake Fromm. Maybe he's ready to go. I've heard nothing but good things about him. Maybe that'll be the case. But I really think Kirby and them, is they're going to open it up, get to try to bring someone in and have them compete with a Stetson Bennett for that starting job. And I think uh, the graduate transfer is probably going to be their starter next year. Is this the – the Yukon guy? Is that is that where he's from? I'm just throwing a Wake Force. The the Wake Force guy. Yeah, I mean he's out there. Uh there's another one from Boston College. And I really Flutie. Fl- Flutie Jr. <laughs> Flutie Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Flutie Judy, but uh it, it's interesting. I did read in the Athletic uh, a really good article for from Bruce Feldman, anybody that's an athletic subscriber. Uh he said uh, the Boston College kid and the Wake Forest kid are both training in Atlanta. So, hell, I mean, you know, oh. Kirby and them it can be down there in a flash to – I don't know if they're technically allowed to visit them, but it's not going to take much for those kids to visit Georgia now. You know what I mean? So that's well, something to consider as well. Let, let me ask you. Let's just let's just take the transfers off for a second because, I mean, again, that's not happened. So, I mean, we could speculate on, on a lot of names. Let's just say internally – Who's a? Uh, I mean, what? How do you see this thing playing out? If we don't have any transfers coming in, who do you, who's our starter week five next week or next year? Hmm. Probably be Stetson Bennett, the guy the, that they had okay. backing up from this last season. He didn't really get on the field a ton. You know, I remember he played 
what was it against the LSU game and he threw kind of like a duck in the middle of the field and I think mm-hmm. I think I think that had a lot of Georgia fans worried about the future with Stetson Bennett but at the same time this is a kid who when they were preparing for Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl all those years ago I mean they were saying he looked like Baker Mayfield back there in that scout team role so there's a lot uh-huh. of confidence in him but I just I don't know if that's going to be the guy. I think they'll give him every opportunity. I'm not saying you know he's going to leave or anything, but I just think they'll be bringing in a graduate transfer with you know the promise of you know if you come in here and perform, you'll be our starter. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on that Houston kid too. You know. Yeah, that's another I, one. So he's not officially announced he's leaving, but I mean the writing's kind of on the wall. King is his name. He, mm-hmm. he scored 50 touchdowns his junior year, and he was playing in that wide open system there under who's the Arkansas offensive coordinator now, Kendall Bryles. So mm-hmm. that's one to watch for Georgia. Certainly that would be as soon as he hit the transfer portal, <laughs> I'd be giving him a call. But again, they are going to have to change up their offense if that's the guy. They, I don't think they can plug him in and ask him to do what Jake Fromm did. They would have to plug him in and kind of go to a more you know, spread style system. And I think that's given the running backs and receivers and now the inexperience at an offensive line. I think that's what Georgia really needs to do. For sure. Yeah. I mean, look at the four teams in the playoffs. That's what they did. So I, I think it's time to mix it up. I love running. I love controlling the ball. I love defense, but that's not what makes it, man. Not these days. And I think they need to open up that playbook. And if they get a kid like King in there, yeah, I hope that, you know, they do open it up. Now, if they don't get him, then then I hope we have a, a little bit more of a competition in the East, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, sticking there with Georgia, Shane, we hit on Jake Fromm declaring for the NFL draft. They had one other guy declare here, Solomon Kinley, starting offensive lineman. One of the key cogs down there in Athens. And, you know, there's so much hype with the tackles and some of the other players on this team. But Kinley is someone that, uh, despite all these five stars all over the roster, Kinley was the one in there. So that's another loss for the Bulldogs that they'll have to consider moving forward. Perhaps that played a part of Jake Fromm's decision with now, well, we're about to get to the fourth lineman. But for the starting <laughs> yeah. lineman gone off Georgia's offensive line, that's. That's an issue, uh, but it's not all bad for Georgia. Let's not pile on them on here real quick. They had two key defenders announce that they're going to come back. Uh, I think we may have already hit on Eric Stokes, the defensive back returning, but Monty Rice here on Wednesday, their leading tackler. Uh, it was vital for him to come back, and with all these additions or returns, I should say, on the defensive side of the ball, that's why I'm so high on the Bulldogs. We saw what this you know, what they're calling the no-name defense, what they did last year. Now we got almost all those guys coming back. They are losing a guy like J.R. Reed and uh, Clark, I believe, was a, was a senior as well. The, the defensive lineman, he, he was playing out of his mind there at the end of the season. But, I mean, for a Georgia team already loaded with talent all across the board, having all these guys return, that's given me a lot of optimism that Georgia is still going to be an elite team next year. It's going to be led by that defense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That defense alone is going to keep them in every game they play next year. All right, we've we've held off far, far long enough, Shane, for this news. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, one second. Let me go grab a beer. That first beer didn't even last you ten minutes, dude. They're going down a little smoother today, brother. <laughs> Sorry. 
Aside from Jay Fromm, biggest news here on Wednesday in the SEC. Never, if I'm being honest, I never saw this day coming, despite, you know, Vol fans hoping and praying that it would. Mm-hmm. Cade Mays leaves Georgia after only two seasons following the departure of Sam Pittman, headed back to Tennessee, Shane. Be honest now, the man mm-hmm. that invented the damn Cade curse. Did you yeah. ever see this day coming? No, no, I did not. Uh, ever since I saw the FU Tennessee video, I thought, <laughs> you know, the door's pretty much shut on this cap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's so funny watching the fan base because I'm one of them. But then you have to think to yourself, Mike, how many times have you said FU Tennessee, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes it comes up. You're watching a game. It's not going the right way. You get a little upset. I've cussed more at Tennessee than I have anything. So um, we're also a forgiving state, Mike. <laughs> so as soon as he unblocks me, uh, I'm going to walk him with open arms. <laughs> now, so this is so bizarre for a number of reasons. Obviously, his father, Kevin Mays, played under Philip Fulmer there at Tennessee. He's a legacy. His younger brother, Cooper Mays, just signed with Tennessee. That was a big get for the Vols. So he's coming back to play with his brother. The biggest question now, Shane, will he gain immediate eligibility? That's going to be something that lingers all offseason. And I know people outside of Knoxville want probably asking why in the hell would this kid get immediate eligibility? You know, the, the NCAA and all their waivers are so wonky. But uh, let me throw this your way, Shane, because... I mean, this news got even more weird because as soon as it, but you know, about an hour after this was announced, I don't even think it was that long. Uh, news was first broke here by Georgia rivals that uh, Kevin Mays, the, the father, is suing Georgia, and apparently is some kind of. From my understanding here, I, I mean, I'm I've read a little bit of these court documents here. Uh, apparently, he was. There was a folding chair, I guess, against mm-hmm. a some kind of structure, and there wasn't enough mo- room to move around. Uh, he's sitting in the folding chair, and I guess the chair broke, and it sliced his part of his finger off. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind, this did not happen like this week or this month or anything. This happened before Cade Mays even signed with Georgia. Yeah, our man Sam Pittman apparently picked up the severed finger and and put it on ice yes sir he's there for all your needs sam Sam Pittman's a hell of a recruiter i mean who else is picking up fingers but why this is interesting you think he did that when he found the pinky you know (laughs) yes (laughs) here it is i'm gonna say no but shade let me ask you this because i don't think i've heard anyone say this this is a totally original thought this is this is where my mind goes and Tell me if I'm uh, out of line here, but keep in mind. So this lawsuit was filed December 5th, 2019. So we're talking a month ago. I believe that they have filed this suit, and they're asking for $3 million from Georgia. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Shane. I don't know if the listeners are aware of this, Shane, but a big part of players not getting their waiver granted it generally comes down to the previous institution uh essentially having issue 
with the waiver request. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why we saw Justin Fields get eligible immediately at Ohio State. It's not the only reason, I don't think, but it's part of the reason Georgia, you know, they said they had no uh, – they did not want to fight it. They, they cleared him to, you know, essentially get his immediate eligibility. They relayed that to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the Mays family knew this move was coming. Here you go. You got a $3 million lawsuit on your hands. And I wonder if Kevin Mays says, hey – you let my boy, you know, don't stand in the way of his immediate eligibility. This lawsuit goes away. There will be no $3 million damages. I'm not saying they're paying for him mm-hmm. to get it, you know, because that's that's a roundabout way of doing it, in my opinion. But what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Shane? Any thoughts? Do you believe I may be onto something here that this lawsuit was filed to get Cade Mays eligible at Tennessee in 2020? That's the long play right there, buddy. I'm telling you, I wouldn't want to play cards with this man. You never trust a man with nine and a half fingers, you know? That's what I say, because he's already thinking three steps ahead of you. So you may be on to something here. How, how how much would you think your pinky's worth? Just curious. Do you think it's a $3 million? I mean, I don't know. I don't, because I, I think you can get by without a pinky, you know? Yeah. What's, what's I, a pinky I'd, worth? I'd say, I'd say a million, you know? Maybe not even. That. Really? I don't. Maybe half a – I mean, because we're talking half a pinky. It's not like he lost the whole thing. The way these court docs, it's a do, – now it is a dominant hand pinky. I did read that. So, I mean, that that's a little bit – I'd say that's a 250000 bonus. So, yeah, I'd say seven hundred fifty for for a pinky. Hmm. 750000 I think you're, you're overestimating. So, if I came over to your house right now and, and gave you, I'd say, $50,000 for the tip of your pinky, you wouldn't give it to me? Oh, well, when you put it that way, is it, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I probably would settle. <laughs> this is what a, what a crazy story, man. And, and, you know, we joke about the Cade curse. How did we not hear this, Mike? You know, that his dad lost half a finger on official visit. I mean, this, that should have been your sign, Cade, that you did not belong in Athens. You belonged in Tennessee all along. So maybe the curse gets right. I hope it doesn't fall on back to Knoxville. Uh, and while we're sitting this... here talking, Shane, I looked. So the same week that Sam Pittman left for Arkansas, this lawsuit was filed. So I think that a little bit more evidence that uh, there may be a connection here. Do you know, I, I, you know, Sam's such a lovable guy. You know, mm-hmm. do, do you think that shook up this locker room? The fact he left so early, it just felt like this team hasn't been the same since Sam left. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was. Uh... Not only the one of the key recruiters, arguably the key recruiter, but the best offensive line coach. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you, Shane, Tennessee never, well, until about now, has not recovered since he left on the offensive line. Don't yeah. have to tell Arkansas fans. They're still searching for that answer. Hell, they had to hire him as a head coach just to get him back to, to try <laughs> to get that offensive line going together. So, I mean, he – is so damn valuable, Sam Pittman, that is, offensive line coach, offensive line position. When things are going right, you don't notice the offensive line. When things are going wrong, you can't do a damn thing. So, exactly. I mean, this is a, this is the biggest question mark now that I have with Georgia, more so than even the quarterback is, and I know they still got, they got plenty of talent there on the offensive line, but mm-hmm. will Matt Luke be able to get it done? You know, he's a good He's a very good offensive line coach, so it's not like he's clueless back there or anything, but right. you're just 
there's a difference between a very good offensive line coach and the nation's best, and they lost the nation's best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing, we since we haven't hit on this, I, I'm not trying to pile on to the Bulldogs here, Shane, but one other bit of news we have not covered on this podcast, five-star running back, number one running back prospect in the nation, Zach Evans, let out of his national letter of intent. He did sign with Georgia. He will not play with Georgia. So this has just been a hell of a week for the Bulldogs, and there's no telling where this kid winds up. Hell, I, it wouldn't even shock me if he goes back to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, he may have burned all his bridges there, but uh, it sounds like LSU, Texas A&M among the teams he's favoring now. Uh, but, uh, man, just a rough, rough week here for Georgia. When When's the uh, the late signing day? National signing day, first Wednesday in February. So oh, okay. we've got a couple weeks here for uh, his recruitment and a lot of other kids. So we got about a month before that comes down. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's one to keep an eye on. Now, staying here with Tennessee, Shane, had to get your thoughts on this because all of a sudden, Shane, you could not pick a damn game to save your life. But here you go. <laughs> You're undefeated when it comes to picking what these kids are going to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, before the Cade Mays news, the biggest news in Knoxville on Wednesday, Trey Smith plans to announce his decision. They're going to do a presser. At 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, noon Central Time, Trey Smith coming back for his senior season. We're off to the NFL. We go to you, the the guru <laughs> of NFL draft predictions. Dude, this one, this one is uh, obviously really near and dear to my heart. And selfish Shane wants Trey to come back. But I do understand if he goes pro. However, Trey is like a father figure to this offensive line. And I just don't see him. I mean, did you see the clip uh, at the Gator Bowl when he was walking around and he was pumping up Wanya, trying to get him going? Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the, the kind of character he is. He did send out a humbling text earlier today on, on Twitter. I noticed that. So I was wondering if maybe he, he said that because he's going to go the pro to help his family. But I don't know. Trey just comes across as one of those, let's finish the job type of people. And I'm predicting that Trey comes back. Ooh, he's putting his powers to work for Vault Nation. <laughs> <laughs> 3-0, baby. So keep in mind for that, people, 1 o'clock again Eastern Time on Thursday, noon Central Time, Trey Smith will make his announcement. And uh, that's one of the bigger ones remaining here in the SEC. Uh, Let's kick it all down to Gainesville, Shane, where uh, defensive back Sean Davis also announced that he would return. So that's good news for the Gators. I I honestly don't know if he really has big-time NFL potential at this point, but Anytime you can get a a veteran defensive back, you always prefer that to a young guy. I know those talented, everybody wants to see the freshman play, but the secondary is one of the last places you want someone that's uh, inexperienced to play. So that's good news for the Gators. And we can jump on down to College Station where we had a, a trio of announcements here, Shane. We had Kendrick Rogers, receiver. He declared for the NFL draft, as did starting cornerback, uh, Debian Renfro, which that was a very surprising one to me. I know he was suspended, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, twice during the season. So 
Yeah, this is an interesting one. I thought he would come back, but I think this may be a case where the Aggies may have actually kind of recruited over him. So he kind of makes some sense in that regard. And the big one for Aggie fans, Jamon Osmond, two-year starter, coming back for his senior season. So they're losing Rodgers, but they're getting Osmond back. And a little bit surprised that uh, Texas A&M now lost two receivers early to the NFL I think uh, with all those guys back, they could have had something special. But you know, each each guy's got to do what's best for them. But a little bit of a mixed bag there for the Yaggies when it comes to the NFL draft this cycle. Yeah, I agree. I, I I was hoping maybe they could get them back because I don't know, like something you've been talking about, and I'm I'm kind of buying to the hype that that next year Texas A&M is really going to make that push, and and you need every piece back. And I just I just wish Jimbo could have you know, sold them a little bit better. Or maybe, like you said, you know, some of this young talent's going to start emerging next next year. Absolutely, because, I mean, look no further than LSU this year when uh, Terrence Marshall lost, was out for several games. He barely even noticed because it's not because he's not a great player, but it's because they got so mm-hmm. many good receivers down there right now. Right. We got some coaching news, Shane. Let's hop on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where Auburn offensive line coach J.B. Grimes has left the program. This is the second time this guy has left. And, you know, I don't think Auburn's offensive line really lived up to the hype this season. So it seems like a lot of Auburn fans were kind of happy to see him go. But, you know, he's a very good offensive line coach. He's been at Auburn twice and... Uh, He left Texas, and then now Texas offensive line looks terrible. So J.B. Grimes, veteran offensive line coach, this is going to be a crucial hire for Gus Malzahn because they're losing four starters, four senior starters on that offensive line. Now they got to replace the offensive line coach. They're bringing in a bunch of junior college kids to kind of plug and play. And I really think uh, the hopes and dreams of Auburn next season is going to rely on this offensive line. And now they got to do it with a new coach. How difficult is that going to be? So he just left, like he didn't go to another school. He just said, well, apparently Hell. he's he is going to another school, but it has not oh. yet been announced where he's going. Okay, yeah, no, that's that would be <laughs> I'd be worried about that. Like you know, just like I quit football all of a sudden. But <laughs> no, uh, I mean that's that's the nature of the beast, and uh, I th- I think they'll find somebody. Hell, I mean. That they ain't spending that much money on these assistants they have down there, besides steel, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe they can put a little bit out and, and get, you know, that's what they need, man. Uh, especially with with the way this offense is going to be ran, you've got to have that that line intact, you know. We saw it last year, not getting being able to to get the running game going, uh, you know, really hindered them in the in the losses that they did have. So. Uh, I hope they I hope they open up the wallet a little bit and get him a good coach here. And it could sting twice as hard too, Shane. This is kind of another reason I wanted to bring it up because five star offensive tackle Broderick Jones, the Georgia commit, who did not sign with the Bulldogs during the early signing period. You know, Auburn is a big time contender for the flip of Jones, and now you gotta wonder where this leaves them now that uh, they do not have an offensive line coach. I would imagine for certain they'll have an offensive line coach by the time National Signing Day arrives, but is that coach going to have a relationship with Jones? Does this make him (laughs) stick with Georgia and Matt Luke or his other options, Shane? I mean, (laughs) Tennessee, he's taking an official there as well. So this kind of throws a little wrench into 
the recruitment of Broderick Jones. So that's just something to keep in mind where J.B. Grimes is out. And if he had a, you know, a big reason for him going to Auburn, maybe J.B. Grimes, that reason is now gone. Yeah, that's a good point. Last thing on the Tigers here, Shane, this was interesting. Junior punter Aaron Sipos declared for the NFL draft. I don't I, hmm. I never really like to see these specialists go pro early just because, I mean, again, wow. I, again like, uh, you know, we don't know everyone's situation, so I hope he does well and I hope he makes a ton of money. But it just seems like kickers and punters in the NFL, my God, it seems like they're in there for 15, 20 years. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's very any, uh, rarely any turnover there. So if you're looking – I don't know. I don't. I just don't know if this is a good good decision here. But maybe he's getting great feedback. So I don't know. Yeah, that's like I was watching. I saw Colquitt kicking the other day. I was like, damn, how long's he been there? You know, <laughs> there's only 32 punters. <laughs> Why leave early? You know, so let let some of these guys age a little bit and just keep going. Nobody leaves early to go to the pros for. I'm sure there's a few. I'm sure somebody can Google it and find some good ones, but. I don't know. It's not like this guy won any awards either, you know? I think the last one I remember leaving early and being a first-round pick, and this is how how long ago it was, Sebastian Janikowski. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, I remember, what's his name? The, the field goal kicker at Florida State and Tampa, you know, I think they did a third-round pick on him, and he turned out horrible. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, you know, you're going to find a good punter, you're going to find a good field goal kicker, but – but I don't know, man. That's not the two. I'd want the Texas A&M kid or uh, the Kentucky guy, you know? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's already some talented punters coming out. You know what? Yeah. All right, Shane, let's jump down to the state of Mississippi. And we're going to hit on some Mississippi State coaching talk here in just a minute. But wanted to throw this your way, Shane, since it kind of involves your squad here too. But our reports are T. Martin has passed on the offensive coordinator position there at Ole Miss. That uh, was first reported by Jimmy Himes of WNML there in Knoxville. And not really sure when this really was, but uh, I'm hearing that this may not be done. Like he may still be considering this job. So that's something to keep in mind. And I don't know if he'll specifically be offensive coordinator. That's what Himes is reporting. But uh, from my knowledge, they hired Jeff Libby, UCF uh, offensive coordinator. So, It'd be kind of weird. Maybe they're going co-OCs and having T call the plays. I'm not sure, but uh, mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Shane? Because, of course, we know Lane Kiffin, T. Martin, got a relationship there from their time at USC. And wouldn't you know it, Lane Kiffin back in the SEC talking a big game about Nick Saban and all this, and here he goes after a Tennessee assistant. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's just going over recruiters, man. T's a hell of a recruiter, and, you know, he wants to get him down there. And, I, you know – I don't know what it is with T. I don't know much about his coaching. You know, I hear he does well with receivers, but mm-hmm. it feels like he's kind of hit that ceiling as far as coaching. Like I, like he's really. I think he wants to be a head coach somewhere, but um, nobody's willing to give him a chance for some reason to move up further. So I'm sure there's some red flags that I'm not aware of or something like that. But like I said, he's a hell of a recruiter. He'd be a huge asset to any team in the SEC because, you know, just because all the connections he does have in the recruiting realm. So uh, he'd be a big gift. So I, I hope obviously we keep him, but, you know, I don't want to hinder him either. If if he can legitimately go down there and be a uh, offensive coordinator, that's fantastic. But if it's another 
you know, Tennessee deal or a USC deal where he's, you know, a co with uh, Hilton, you know, not really making those decisions, then mm-hmm. why then why make the move to Ole Miss? You know, stick stay where you're at. Yeah, and if nothing else, if he does stick it out at Tennessee, does not get a head coaching or offensive coordinator position offered to him, I think you got to think that, uh, you know, he's being loyal to Tennessee and not leaving for, you know, yeah. what may be a promotion on paper, but maybe really isn't behind the scenes. You know what I mean? For sure. I'd make the move if I was the offensive coordinator. But if I'm just a co, nah, that, you know, what's what's the draw there? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, last team we got to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Starkville. Mississippi State, the coaching search rages on, Shane, and this thing is, uh, you know, taking some weird twists and turns, isn't it? It's getting wild, Mike. I'm liking (laughs) some of these names I'm seeing, though. (laughs) So Billy Napier kind of came out and says, yeah, not not a candidate. And then all of a sudden, it looks like it was turned into the judge, Joe Judge. And then next Mm -hmm. thing you know, Shane, I mean, hell, you were bashing that guy. And I think everybody was who didn't know who he was. And it turns around, he gets $7 million a year from the New York Giants. So I think that yeah. really would have been the hire. I think that would have been an easy sell. You know, a guy that worked for Saban and Bilicek and played at Mississippi State. I mean, it had all the pieces there. But obviously, they've moved on or he's moved on. And now the coaching search, Shane, it seems like it's all over the place here. We got Steve Sarkeesian being brought mm-hmm. up. We got... The pirate Mike Leach. That's right. I don't know if that's really realistic or if that's going to happen, but that's being thrown around. What's your read on this one, Shane? Mike Leach, Steve Sarkeesian, Bill Clark, UAB. I mean, uh, who are you hiring down here at Mississippi State? Well, of course I want the pirate down there. I think, I mean, could you imagine, you know, the pirate and then you got freaking Blaine Kiffin right next door? I just think that would be awesome. Mississippi, Mississippi would be a jumping little state, buddy. But I just I don't see that happening. I, I think that you got to go with somebody with some experience. And the one thing I keep seeing a lot of uh, is Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that that keeps coming up. And you know, say what you want, Alabama's built a, a pretty nice machine down there with not just players but coaching staff. And it just seems like if you can hang on to the coordinator spot long enough, you'll get a job somewhere. So um, that's that's who I'm probably looking at. Uh, but it, it sure is fun seeing some of these big, big splashy names coming in for interviews, you know? Well, let me ask you this, Shane, because let's just, you know, I know this is maybe assuming too much, but let's just assume that Mike Leach and Steve Sarkeesian are the two targets. Mm-hmm. And let's just say they'll both take the job if offered. And I think the pros and cons are, are pretty evident of each. I mean, with Mike Leach, you got a guy that is a consistent winner that mm-hmm. does things his way. He needs to be kind of left alone. I don't think the AD can really be telling him what to do or mess with his program or, you know, tell him to run the dang ball or what have you. And he, he's been able to do it in places like Lubbock, Texas, and – uh, wherever the hell Washington State is, <laughs> I mean these places where you're not exactly, you know, recruits are are not wanting to go there for anything other than to play football. There's some similarities there with Starkville. I think Starkville's a nicer place than those places. You can recruit a lot better, but more often than not, 
I mean, if Mississippi State's going head-to-head against LSU and Alabama for a recruit, they're not winning most of those battles. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think Mike Leach is going to win those battles. But right. he's proven that that doesn't necessarily matter. He can, he can kind of defeat teams with more talent. Now, yeah. on the flip side, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, that's kind of, the, like you said, the flashy name. He's got national championship rings with USC. I know he wasn't – I'm talking about when he was assistant there. And mm-hmm. he's noted as a recruiter. He's got NFL experience. He's got Alabama experience. I mean, he is the guy that I think when you meet him is going to impress you, is maybe going to win some of those recruiting battles against yeah. LSU and Alabama. But I don't know if he's really proven that he can consistently coach around teams like that. It, it seems like everywhere he's coached, I'm talking the USC and Alabama, you know, where he's had the most success, his teams have much more talent than the vast majority of the teams they're facing. So given those, I mean, which way are you leaning it? Cause it kind of seems like Mike Leach is a little bit more of a fit at Mississippi state. Whereas Sarkeesian, I'm, I'm seeing more, you know, he's not Joe Moorhead, but he's kind of similar. Whereas Moorhead, you know, there was a perception, you know, he's a Northern, he's a Yankee, what have you. Sarkeesian's a West Coast guy. Um, It kind of seems like he would kind of run into the same issues as Joe Moorhead, in my opinion. Well, that's that's the thing. I I think you could have problems with both of them. And I think Joe got fired because of stuff that was going on behind the doors, you know, and and if Leach wants to be left alone and not told what to do, I mean, Leach has got a lot of baggage too, buddy. And, um, you know, that, I think if you're a staff and you're trying to sell, you're trying to sell the, the, the trustees that this is your guy. It's like, man, there, there's, there's a list of cons, maybe not, not as much as, as Steve, but there's still some on there. And, and with Steve, I, I don't know. I just think that he's, you know, I mean, hell, he's he's ran. I mean, he's ran large programs now. He's got he's got some skeletons in his closet too, man. Not too many coaches in the SEC can out drink cousin Shane, and he may be one of them, you know. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I th- I think he's got you know that's why I'm I'm thinking that our next coach down there is not going to be the one of these guys. Just I, I think it's going to be like a Napier or something like that where they can they can kind of keep a leash on them. Um, and, but I don't, I hope that's not what they're doing because they're seeing how exciting people are, or how excited people are with Arkansas. They're seeing how excited people are at Lane. The worst thing you can be is the other team in the state of Mississippi. And you don't do, you do that by hiring somebody that nobody knows. So I think open up your wallet and, and pay the man. So I, I, I like either one of those guys and I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Mm-hmm. I think one guy, you know, I always say, don't just hire the opposite of what you got because I don't think that's the right way to do it. But it would certainly be maybe popular for a lot of Mississippi State fans. One name that I have heard that I think would check a lot of boxes that at least some of these fans and maybe the administration is looking for is Mark Hudspeth, the former Louisiana Lafayette coach. He was very successful down there. He spent time. He was on Dan Mullen's staff there at Mississippi State. He was even on Joe Moorhead's staff last year. And then he got the head coaching job at Austin P. And I know we don't follow them, but apparently they won 11 games this year. So mm-hmm. that's a guy with at least SEC assistant experience, head coaching 
experience at two schools, very successful, both his stops there. So that's a name to keep an eye out on. If, if they're really wanting to hammer it home, maybe we need to get a guy that understands what he's getting himself into, understands Starkville, and then just surround him with some elite coaches, some recruiters. I mean, that mm-hmm. could be another option, but it's certainly not as uh, sexy here as Mike Leach or Steve Sarkeesian, I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, when uh... – let me ask you: When Leach interviewed with uh, Cohen, mm-hmm. did he uh, did he stay the night? <laughs> I think Mike Leach is a guy that uh, would potentially stay the night, but he'd be sleeping more—not like in your house, but maybe like if you got a boat like tied up brought- out back or something. You know, like he'd just be in the raft or something. Like he's like, I don't have an extra room. He goes, That's all right. I brought a tent. It's like Leach <laughs> is one of those guys that accidentally brings a tent. You know. <laughs> Morning, neighbor. <laughs> all right, Shade. So that's all I got on this one. A little bit shorter. Not a ton of news to get to, but we really wanted to tackle all that Georgia news in particular. Uh, you got anything else before we hop off here? Uh, no. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us in January, you SEC fiends. Uh, <laughs> we are going to have us a show tomorrow, and I'm going to do the uh, the reviews on it. So if you got yourself an iPhone or an Apple product, if you don't mind jumping on there and giving us a five-star heart rating, we'd really appreciate it. Those reviews really help us out, and we'll be sure to read them here online. And uh, remember, you get those posted, we'll uh, send you a koozie. And uh, I've seen a few more of those popping up online, Mike. Absolutely. We appreciate each and every one of those. That's why we do that. So uh, that really does help us out, too. So if you want to take that extra step, we really appreciate it. That's going to do it, Shane, for this one. Thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. I think I would I would lock my finger off for 20 now that I think about it. If I could go to sleep. Now, if I'm staying awake, it's 50.